Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been talking about spiritual gifts and uh, spiritual warfare. And uh, for the last several weeks. And last week, uh, we talked about the belt of truth. How many remember the belt of truth? Come on. A couple of you. How many remember what we have to do to put it on? Again, let's stop. Lord, we get so much teaching and preaching. Here's what I want you to start doing. I want you to start taking a moment to breathe and to apply what you've heard today. And apply what you hear in Sunday school. And apply what you hear on Wednesday night. Don't just rush out of here and begin digging again. Let's take what we read and let's apply it to our lives. Let's actually do what it says. Let's actually, let's actually obey it, right? Come on. There's a day coming when the church is going to be ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They're never able to put this into practice. They just preach it out there and say it to everybody, but they don't actually do it in their lives. And that's why we're not affecting the world around us. Right? Right? But when we apply it and do it and let it go down deep, that was what last week was. How do we put on the belt of truth? Anybody remember what we do? Consider. And how do we consider? Nobody did it this week. Learn thoroughly. Note carefully. Learn thoroughly. That's why you get pens out. You take phones out. You write things down. And you, you don't do Facebook or Instagram. You write things down. You take pictures on the screen so that you can go home and learn thoroughly. You consider to put on the belt of truth. Did you put on the belt of truth this morning? Learn thoroughly. Know carefully. And then what did we say the second thing? Protect your private parts. Let the belt of truth protect the most vulnerable areas of your life. Let it seep down into those places that we don't want anybody to have access to. And let it bring healing to those places. Well, we were going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. And next week, I cannot wait. Hopefully, we're going to cover that next week. And man, it is going to be good. You do not want to miss it because there is a need in every human heart. Here's the need in every human heart. And that is to be examined and found well-pleasing. No, that's the need of every heart. To be examined by our parents, by our peers. That's why we're striving so much. And especially by God. To be examined and to be found well-pleasing. How many feel, I mean honestly, feel well-pleased by your God? There's probably not many. And we don't have on the best plate of righteousness. And that's where our boldness comes. That's where, that's where knowing that our God, knowing that God is well pleased with us, knowing that God accepts us. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to uh, practically cope. said, I love the application last week because of, of where you come to the end. And actually, we saw how to apply that in our life. We're going to find out how to apply the belt of truth next week. But today, I felt like that we needed to venture off. And I can't take credit for all this sermon because it but it was just too it, it goes along with welfare warfare and it was just too it had to be I had to preach this man it's called tribulation 
tribulation, kingdom, and patience. And I believe I'm right on target with feeling what I'm feeling in this room today, uh, in my spirit, with, uh, with, 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 with what's going on in our lives. Revelation 12, we're still, this is still in the vein of spiritual warfare. We're talking about being in a real battle in this last day, putting on the armor of God so that we can stand. And today I want to talk about tribulation, kingdom, and patience. If you got your Bibles, turn to Revelation 12, chapter 13, or, or cha- uh, verse 13, and let's begin to read. And this is the kind of attack that Satan will use in the last days against the church. Okay? This is the kind of attack. You want to know how he's going to attack us in the last days? How he is attacking us in the last days? This is how he's going to do it. Right here. Tribulation, kingdom, and patience. This is, what, this is our warfare. This is our battle. And it's laid out right here in the Scripture. So let, begin to read with me. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings as a great eagle that she might fly from the serpent into where? The wilderness. I told you a few weeks ago, God's preparing a wilderness church. He's preparing a wilderness church. You ought to be in the Bible reading. We're in the book of Exodus. We're in the wilderness. It'll help you. It'll help you to read the Word of God, to be involved in a Bible plan with people. Read the Word of God. Be in a systematic study of God's Word. And so he gave her two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to a place where she is to be nourished. She's to be nourished in this place for a time and times and half of a time. The serpent poured out while she's in this wilderness, poured out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. Satan hates you. He's after you, folks. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy you. But the earth came to help the woman, and the earth opens its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. God's got a purpose in the wilderness. It's there to help us, and I'm telling you, God's leading us to a good place that's going to help us in this last day. You need to understand the war. You need to understand the battle. You need to understand the warfare. And you need to understand where God's got us and why He's got us there. Amen? You want just a five-minute rhyming sermon and a skit and a drama? Go to the church down the road. I want to be prepared for the days that we're living in. Amen? So the serpent poured water out of her mouth like a river uh, to the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help the woman and the earth opens its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring. He hates you. Why are you so beat up today? There's a devil that hates your guts. There is a devil that is raging. There's a devil raging against the offspring of God. Making war against the people of God. The dragon became furious with the woman. Went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. On those who keep the commandments of God. And hold to the testimony of Jesus. Have I got anybody in here who keeps the commandments of God. And holds to the testimony of Jesus Christ. One person. Three three people. Well, hallelujah. 
Do you hold to the testimony of Jesus? Do you believe in Christ by faith in Him and Him alone for your salvation? Then you're keeping it. Because He kept it. And He lives in you, right? And we're going to find out about that next week when you put on the blessed plate of righteousness and you're received, not because of what you did, but because of what He did. Amen? Hallelujah. So on those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus, and he stood on the sand of the sea. This is a type. This is a type, save your hate mail. It's a type and a visual attack of how Satan attacks the church. I understand things are going to be played out in the last days. But understand... We can, we can go in here now and not just make it applicable one day to the nation of Israel. We can make it applicable to us right now. Right? We can make it applicable right where we... I need something right now. I need something to help me through the warfare that's going on right now. I need to understand what's going on. And I need to know how the schemes of the devil are operating. And I need to know how to get through this wilderness that I seem to be in right now. How am I going to make it? How am I going to get through this? And what is it all about? Well, many commentators debate about who this woman is in Revelation 12. I mean, you get all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of debates that go on. Some commentators say the woman represents the nation of Israel and the male child it then obviously becomes Jesus, the Messiah, which is a, a great interpretation. The woman flies away to the place that was prepared for her in the wilderness. And then the text goes on to tell us that Satan actually begins to wage war against the rest of her offspring who hold fast to the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I want you to think of it like this. You have the offspring. You have the nation of Israel. Through, the coming, through them, you have the coming Messiah. And that gives birth to the church of Jesus Christ. Christ, which is made up of both Jew and Gentile, one new man in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. But no matter how you interpret this, no matter what you say about the dragon and the woman and all those things, and how God actually preserves the woman, which I believe is his people. It speaks volumes to the church today. We can learn from this, right? And notice how the woman flew away into the wilderness. A place that was actually prepared for her by God. Actually prepared. Can you believe? A wilderness prepared by God. I'm going to wreck everybody's theology today. A wilderness prepared by God is where this woman flies them into a desert that is working to stop the flood that is coming out of Satan's mouth to harm the people of God. That's what it is. I want, I want, to, I want us to take a picture of this. I want us to think about and see how the desert is being used to stop the flood of this coming in people's life. But in order to do that, let's back up and let's go back to the writer of this book, John, and let's begin to see at the first of the book of Revelation what he writes and I want you to go and look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 it says I John he opens the book like this he gets to chapter 12 and we're going to loop it around and tie all this together but I want you to look at this I John your brother and partner in the tribulation in the kingdom and in the patient endurance 
that are in who? What's in Jesus? Tribulation. Don't skip that one. Tribulation. Kingdom. Patient endurance. Tribulation. Kingdom. Patient endurance. Y'all don't look too happy. I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation, kingdom, patient endurance, that are in Jesus. If you're in Jesus, you're going to experience these things. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying great tribulation, but I'm just saying you're going to experience these things. You can't avoid them. I, John, your brother, your partner in tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. I was on an island called Patmos on an account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. There's three words there that should have jumped out to you that I should have made clear to you. Tribulation. Kingdom and patience. Now let me give you a definition of what these mean. Look at this. Tribulation means to be under stress, strain, or sorrow. A grieving for an extended amount of time. Anybody feel like they've been under any kind of tribulation lately? Tribulation means to be under stress, strain, sorrow, grieving for an extended amount of time. Go to the next one. Kingdom means government Order, strength, and majesty. Go to the next one. Patience means having courage, fidelity, and endurance. In Jesus means this is part of the Christian experience. This is some of the things that we go through as Christians uh, that we're just going to have to go through. And this is what John is saying he is experiencing, Cole, right now. And the churches that he's writing to, this book that he's sending the book of Revelation to. He's sending it to where? The seven churches that are in Asia Minor. They're experiencing these things. I, John, your brother, am experiencing this, and I'm writing to you who are experiencing this. You can tell we're not happy about this message. It was written to Ephesus, which was the church that was what? In danger because false teachers were there and they were being persecuted, right? False teachers were in this place. They're being persecuted. They're in tribulation. They're in the kingdom. They're having to patiently endure. He's writing to, to uh, Smyrna. They're in tribulation. They're poor. They're suffering. Even some of them are actually in prison. He's writing to the church at Pergamum. And they dwelt where the throne and the seat of Satan was. You don't think they had pressure? You don't think they had tribulation going on in the seat where Satan is? Where Antipas was martyred? You didn't know if the next time I got in this pulpit, they're going to drag me out in the street, take me away from my wife, and kill me down the road? That's tribulation in my book, folks. The people in Jesus are experiencing tribulation, the kingdom, and patience. 
What about the church at Pergamum? They dwelt where the, uh, Satan was. The church at Thyatira, it, which was the church in danger because false prophets were there and they were patiently enduring, the church of Thyatira was. Philadelphia, they kept the word of God, but they were under difficult circumstances. The church at Sardis, overwhelmed in death and many in the congregation were defiled. The church at Laodicea was a church that was weakened in their faith because of prosperity, which wake up America is one of the most serious of all perils that has ever threatened the church of Jesus Christ. And we see the results of that. It's called the American church today. And tribulation, John says, is part of the Christian experience. Look at what he says in John 16.33. Look at, look at what Jesus says. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. If you're in Christ, he's saying, chill out, relax, Raymond. Relax. He's saying, he's saying this, I've said these things that, that in me you may have peace. In the world, what was going to happen though? You are going to have tribulation. Pressure. Sorrow. Grief. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, my children. Because I've overcome the world. Yes. Yes. We as I can tell by the look on your faces and your hearts, are experiencing tribulation today. Again, I'm not talking about, I realize what's coming. But we are experiencing in this world a season of tribulation, especially in the Western world, like we've never experienced before. Pressures are coming now on all sides that you cannot escape. Economic pressure. Been to the grocery store lately? Economic pressure. You filled up your car lately? Government's failing because of economic pressures. The dollar shaking and crumbling. The, the, the Wall Street unsettled. All these things. Economic pressures are coming on the world. People are starting to fret. Oh goodness, let's take our, oh, let's take our money out of the U.S. dollar and let's put it over in the Chinese yuan. Let's do this. Let's do that. Economic pressures are coming on all sides. Get ready. We're seeing it now. The layoffs are coming. The layoffs we're seeing because companies are saying, hey, we made all the money we can make. Now we're taking a turn. Things are going to change. And what do people do when things start to change? They sit on their money, the people who have money. So economic pressures have begun to come on this world. What else has begun to come? Political pressures. Anybody felt the political pressure? That circus lately? Come on, political pressures have come upon the world. What about work pressures? Work pressures, come on. Work pressures where you're made to go into uh, uh, sit in before new training sessions that you don't believe in and the things that they put on there that's coming down from big business and big corporations and big governments that they're now saying, you got to watch this, you got to do this, you got to believe in this, and you got you to gotta follow what we're telling you now in this new training and stuff. We're feeling, even though they go against the Word of God, we're feeling the pressures that are coming now through all kinds 
kinds of places? What about the information age that we live in? Or our educational system, what about that pressure on our children? Where they go now to these zoos called school, where they go in there and it's just full of debauchery and sexual immorality and drugs and, 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 and no discipline and, and just uh, all kinds of things going on in these places and where now there's just this constant confusion even coming down from the AEA and the educational system to actually not just teach our children, but to destroy our children. Their beliefs and their ideas and anything that goes uh, with this book about traditional values, traditional marriage, uh, about gender, about uh, the things that God created, His idea, His design, what He created them for and how He created and made them. Now we're going against every bit of that. And we, if you believe in this, you're for sure feeling the pressure coming down. What about the, the constant stream of information now? Through podcasts, through newscasts, on our phones all the time. Even feeling the pressure of the places we once thought were safe. Like Disney. Places we could just escape and go have some mindless things to watch and do have now become cesspools of immorality and filth and absolute pressure. You can't even watch a Disney film. You can't watch a Marvel movie. You can't watch anything without some type of messaging, some type of agenda, some type of antichrist spirit. Amen? If you don't recognize it, then I'm worried about your faith. And these pressures just naturally give birth to this feeling of overwhelming sorrow. That's how we come in here. Great is the Lord. He is great to be praised. Because these pressures that they give birth to this feeling of overwhelming sorrow. Sorrow in the heart. Grief in the heart. And you know why? Because we see the destruction. We see the destruction of the family. We see the divorce. We see the breakup of the home. We see, we see our children strung out on drugs. We see, we see them uh, not even, uh, no spirituality. We went, we went last night, and I hate to say it, I don't know what everybody there thought, but I looked at the youth, and I was troubled by none of them looking like they had a spiritual bone in their body. Like they didn't want to be there. Like they could care less about God and the things of God. Kind of like some of us look in church. Obviously, you're here, so I don't really believe that. But, but this overwhelming sense of, of, of sorrow because we see the destruction. We see, uh, we see how families and churches and friendships are now being torn apart. And all this pain is causing this grief inside of our heart. And because we're saying it really didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. Our nation didn't have to fall into pieces like this. Our schools didn't have to be this way. Our homes didn't have to be this way. The church didn't have to be this way. Our friendships didn't have to be this way. And this is a part of tribulation that John is speaking about. But he doesn't stop there. He says we're going to feel this tribulation if we're in Christ. We're going to feel this tribulation on all sides. But he said also we're going to experience the kingdom in Jesus Christ. Now what does the kingdom mean? The kingdom means the rule and realm of a king. It means the rule and this is where you smile. The rule and realm of the king. It means when you become a Christian
and then the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you something. He begins to come into your life and He begins to say, hey, even though these things are falling apart, even though these things look dismal, all things are working together for the good of them that love God and are called according to His, uh, uh, called it according to His purposes. So Brad, don't get so down because I sit king of the flood. Brad, don't get so de de depressed because even though the schools are falling apart, I'm king of the schools. I'm king of everything. I'm king of Washington. I'm king of politics. I'm king of everything. Amen? I'm king over the spirit realm. I'm king over the nations. I'm king over Satan. The Lord looks down. You remember when Pontius Pilate was there? You remember what he said to him? Come on, you remember? Look, it hadn't been that long out of Easter. Please tell me you remember. John 19.10 So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me. Do, do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? This is my big play, Pilate said. Now listen to what Jesus answers. Jesus answered him and said, You would have no authority over me, not at all, unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you, that person has the greatest sin. He's saying there is no authority over on this earth that is not under the authority of my father point blank period final listen to what G. Morgan Camel great revivalist said he said Satan himself must report in the divine presence ere he goes upon any mission of persecuting the sons and daughters of God the archenemy of mankind cannot touch one single piece of your property. Not so much as a hair on the back of a camel that you possess until he has asked permission. Satan desires to sift you, Peter, Brad, whoever. If he does, he must ask before he can do it. Satan desires to plunge a continent into war then he cannot act save under the divine control of Almighty God. If in the divine control there be a process of judgment, it is the judgment proceeding toward, look at this, the accomplishment of a purpose of mercy. Your God is a merciful God. If He allows judgment to come upon a people, He's doing it for one reason. It's redemptive and He is wanting to save and not, 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 not uh, uh, condemn. He is wanting people to be saved and to bring them back to the knowledge of God and extend mercy. James says... Mercy triumphs what? Over judgment. Yes. That's what he wants. Hallelujah. So a, a true Christian knows all things work together to the good of them that love God. They know this. They know that, that uh, even spiritual attacks are by God's uh, design. That they're under God's uh, plan. That God allows them for whatever reason. So God, so John writes and tells us that there will be tribulation, which means constant pressure from all sides on our lives. He tells us also that God is ultimately in control of everything, even the pressure you're feeling from all sides. He's working all these things together for the good of them that love God and, accorded, and are called according to His purposes. And then he says on top of that, there will be patience as well. He says you're going to learn to have patience in these places. And that actually means you're going to love this. To stay under. To stay under. 
to stay under. Let me take these points right there, those three things, and connect them with Revelation 12 and bring this thing into a soft landing. So Revelation 12, the dragon is trying to destroy the woman, which is a type of God's people, type of the church. God prepares a place in the desert, in the wilderness, for His people to protect the church from the attack of Satan. He keeps the woman in the wilderness for a certain time and a certain season so that the wilderness or the desert will swallow up the flood that is coming out of the mouth of Satan to destroy God's people. Much like the flood that has been coming out for a while now, a flood of filth, a flood of blasphemy, a flood of iniquity, a flood of absolutely perversion and sexual immorality, a flood of lies, a flood uh, of gossip, a flood of all sorts of things that have come, a, a flood of religion, a flood of everything that has come out of his mouth for a long time against us. And folks, we've honestly prayed these kind of prayers. God, how many prayed this lately? God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need, I need you to do something. I need you to stabilize something. Stabilize the economy. Stabilize the, the educational system. Stabilize the geopolitical relationship between nations. Just stabilize something somewhere. And you know what? I keep hearing God come back and say, not now. You must have patience. Tribulation. Kingdom. He's in control of everything. Patience. Patience. The wilderness has a good... The church, the woman stayed in the wilderness for a time. Staying under tribulation. Staying in this place of pressure. Because the pressure is doing something. Now what is a, what is a wilderness? A wilderness is a place of pressure. It, 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 Forty years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. And what did they do in the wilderness? There's no water here. There's no food here. There's no jobs in America. There's no, there's, no this, there's no more government resources. There's no more this. There's no more that. There's no more Netflix. Where? There's no more this. There's no more that. There's no more that. And it was a place where they began to say, my goodness, what are you doing? It was a place of constant pressure, a place of tribulation. And John said that in Jesus, we will know tribulation. We will know the kingdom. And we will know patience because this is the working of God. Look at what Paul wrote to the church in Acts. He said this in Acts 14, 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. In other words, he had gone through on this first missionary journey. He's coming back through these churches and he's going to go back through and here's what he's going to do. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Preach that in your prosperity theology. Preach that on TBN. But it's in your Bible. And saying that through many tribulations you must enter the kingdom of God. Now that's not heaven. That's not saying we've got to suffer to get to heaven. Because how do we get to heaven? We're going to preach on it next week. How are we saved? 
The blood and the blood alone. That's how we're saved. So he's not saying that. He's saying here about the kingdom of God. It's, it's his government. It's his authority. It's his kingship over everything. It's also not only those things. It's his beauty. It's his majesty. It's his glory. In the wilderness, here's what he's saying. We are being, being given the, the capacity and the ability to once again quit seeing our iPhones, quit seeing Hollywood, quit seeing the famous basketball and the famous baseball player and all those things that we worship in this place, and you get led into it when the job and the money and the 401k and the bling bling and the ling ding and all these things, and you finally get taken into a place, into a wilderness where all of a sudden you begin to notice the beauty and the majesty and the glory and the sovereignty and the power of Almighty God again. Amen? And you know what? You begin to become joyful. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. The Spirit of the Lord. Yeah, you begin to feel the joy. The joy of the Lord is here. The joy of the Lord is here. I feel it in the atmosphere. The joy of the Lord is here. And you begin to, you begin, how do we get into the kingdom? You get into the kingdom through joy and through pleasure. That's how you draw nigh. It's the goodness of God. Your goodness is running. I'm not going to a God that's mad at me. I'm going to a God that I find out loves me. And he has poured out his life for me. And he's inviting me in. And my heart gets joyous. And I'm coming back as a son thinking he's not going to have me. And he's chasing me down the road, falling on my neck and kissing me and putting goodness on. On me putting all kinds of things I don't deserve on me and I begin to dance and say yes I'll go with you into the house yes I'll let you throw me a party yes I'll let you sing over me yes I will allow this to happen because God I wouldn't have it any other way than to let because I'm not going to reject your goodness amen see that bothers religious people next week's message will help you because it's like the guy that I'll use a story next week. The young pastor whose dad wanted to give him a watch. Wanted to buy him a nice one. I'm talking like a, he had money. Like a Rolex and stuff. Like you could send your kid to college. And the son kept saying, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And the Holy Spirit one day, because the dad was trying to show him how much he loved him. How much he accepted him. Every time the son would say, I've done so. Dad, I did this, I did this. And he'd say, good, go buy that watch. He wanted him to look down and say, your dad is pleased with you. Your dad accepts you. Your dad loves you. And your dad cares for you. And the Holy Spirit convicted him and said, he said, every time you tell your dad you're not going to buy the watch and you're not worthy to wear the watch, you reject your dad. After that, he went and bought the watch and he put it on. 
And the Holy Spirit said, you get the watch, you put it on, and you run and tug your daddy, and you tell him, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me this watch. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. And that's exactly what we need to do. Listen from a pastor's journal that I listened to. He says this, entering the kingdom of God is when the human heart no longer lives to use God, but sees God as beautiful and pleasurable in himself. Uh, In other words, we come into the wilderness and we begin to not say, God, I'm just using you as a means to get my cancer healed. I'm not just using you as a means to get me a good job again. I'm not just using you as a means to get me to what I want. No, in the wilderness, finally, everything is becoming to a place where you are in the field. You're in the desert and you're kicking the dust and you finally unearth the treasure in the field and it's Christ and you decide, I'll sell everything. I'll sell it all. I'll give up everything and I'm going to buy the treasure in the field and I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to possess it and keep it because it's the greatest thing in the world it's not a means to get me something else it's the end of the means it is what I'm looking for it is what I'm looking for it is everything and so in Revelation 12 so God wants to become an end in of himself and not an instrument to something else and I'm afraid a lot of people in the American church come down and they want to make God get me this and it's like that's the God and not God you're just the magic genie or the Santa Claus that gets me what I want but how about coming to God and recognizing he is everything he is your joy he is your peace he is your righteousness he is the rich of everything. He is the best. He is the I am that I am. There is nothing beyond Him that you need, you could want, or that would ever be good for you beyond Him. He is the treasure. He is everything. And He is worth selling your rotten life off for. And, and, and He is worth taking everything of Him. Amen? Hallelujah. So Revelation 12. The dragon went after the people of God. A flood came out of her mouth. We've been living in that now for decades that there's been a flood coming out of the enemy's mouth. We've been living in a decade of uh, flood of sexual immorality. We've been living in a flood of selfishness where everything's about me, 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 my, my, I, I, I. And there's a flood of self-centeredness everywhere that, that we go. And it is nauseated. It is sickening. That's why we're miserable. That's why we're sad. Because... Did you see my new hot dog I ate today? Did you see my new water bottle? And it's all about you. We want to post everything about us. Did you see me? Did you see me? Did you see me? And the reason we're so miserable is because we're looking at us and we're not looking at God. And so God says, Satan has flooded this mess out to you where you believed it. You've eaten all this self-centeredness. All this... You can't love anybody else until you love yourself. All this pipe psychology. How about you can't do anything good until you die to yourself? Until you're dead. You don't matter anymore. And he becomes everything. And everybody else becomes everything. Man, I may not have a person left next week. And the whole church has been rewired by this flood out of Satan's mouth that Christianity is all about you. Yeah, I hear it because you want to know what 90% of pastors' jobs doing? It's putting out the fights between all of you. The reason we want to run away, my wife's begging me, please, Brad, 
Let's buy a camper. She shows me pictures of it all the time. No, I'm not kidding. No, you think I'm kidding. She said, Brad, we can go on the road. You can preach and do what God's called you to do. Let's just please. I'm not kidding. Because 90% of the time, it's, it's, it's selfishness in the body of Christ. Fighting over that. Uh, they're not coming anymore because of the music. They're not coming anymore because so-and-so offended them. They're not coming anymore because they didn't get greeted when they came in the door. The pastor didn't talk to them. They didn't, they didn't get a smile. They didn't get a bulletin when they came in the door. They, they, they just, I mean, and, and, and we're all bowing down. They didn't like the smell. They didn't like this. They didn't like that. And, I mean, we're constantly having to bend over backwards. Oh, we'll try to change the, 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 the detergent. We'll try to... To tone down the guitar. We'll try to do this. We'll try to do that. Will that make you happy? And finally you start saying, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do what God wants. And so he's leading us into a wilderness, thank God, to where we quit looking at us and the flood of filth that Satan's using to kill us. You understand that self-centeredness and that division? He's using to destroy us. It's a flood out of his mouth. And God is saving us by saying, I have to now take you into a wilderness, America. I love you enough to take you into a place of pressure, of kingdom, and of patience. You're going to pray, get it off of me, stop it. And he's going to just say, stay there a little longer. Let patience have her work. So in closing, how does God protect them? See, it's the kindness of God that, that, that He needs to protect His bride so He puts her in the wilderness. Okay? So, so that the nations aren't able to affect us. The world and all these things aren't able to get to us. How God is going to protect them, He takes a wilderness. What does the pressure actually do? And here's in closing what it does. The pressure actually creates in us a need for God again. It actually creates in us, Harlan, a need for God again. Like the old Carmen song, we need God in America again. He was just long before his time. We need God in America again. The wilderness creates a hunger for God. We start seeking Him again. We start opening the Bible again. We start, we start reading the Bible. We start praying. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal the beauty of who God actually is. And when He reveals the beauty of who God actually is, a boldness starts coming inside. A faith starts coming inside. Contentment starts coming inside. And it infuses you inside because of what God God is doing in the desert. He begins to put a love for, for souls again. He begins to put a love for each other again in this place in the wilderness. And Satan thought the flood would take the woman away. That was what he thought it would do. I can take these people away with selfishness, with self-centeredness. I can take it away with immorality. I can take these young people in here away. I can take them away with these devices. I can just put a flood of field out of my mouth against the church of Jesus Christ and the seed of 
the woman and I will destroy her. And God says, not so fast, devil. I got a place prepared for her and I'm going to put her in that place. And when I put her in that place, she's going to let go of these things and she's going to begin to see my beauty, my majesty, my glory. And she's going to turn to me and she's going to grow in faith and power and strength. Here's what's happening. Right now, the world is being given over to judgment. How do I know that? Romans 1 tells us that because it says, it says this, and I'm closing, I promise. It says this. It tells us that these immoral things that we're seeing all over the world, the wickedness, the sexual immorality, is, people say, no, that means when we see these things, that, that means it's going to lead to judgment. That's not what Romans 1 says. It says when these things are on you, you're in judgment. So the world is being given over to judgment right now. But the church, hear me, the church is being protected right now. He's placing us in the wilderness. And he's going to put us there. And he's going to protect us in that place. And it's going to be the church under the protection of Almighty God. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you have taken us. And God, when Satan has come with such a flood of filth, God, such, a, such, a, such devices against the church that we've allowed, God, to come our way and to take us away from the beauty of Christ, from the sovereignty of Christ, from the joy of Christ, from the peace of Christ. God, that thank you that, Lord, that while judgment's coming on the world, God, you, are, you love your people, God. You love your people, so you've prepared a place for your people. It's called the wilderness. And in that place, God, you're going to protect her, and you're going to nourish her, and you're going to strengthen her. And God, we're going to come out of that place. Who is that leaning on her beloved coming out of the wilderness? That's us. We're coming out of that place leaning on our beloved, not leaning on our own resources or knowledge or our own understanding. God, but now we have been come to a place where we recognize you, God, and you alone. And God, our flesh dies off in that wilderness, and we come out under the strength and power and joy and peace of Almighty God. Lord, you're going to do something in these last days in the church and in the body of Christ. You have a remnant, you have a remnant, you have a remnant, you have a people that when you come, God, you've always had a people, even if it's eight people, God, in an ark, you've always had a people, even if it's several coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah. You have always had a people God. And you are sending a people right now into a wilderness place because you are protecting and preserving a people that when you come, Lord you will call them home to be with you. They are your bride. They are your church. They will be spotless. They will be without wrinkle. And the gates of hell will not prevail against them God. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. And even though she hasn't been faithful you have been faithful God. Where we've been faithless you've been faithful to have a people that you're going to bring all the way into glory God we are your people we're the sheep of your pasture we've been purchased by your blood God and you're not going to give up on us because he who began a work in us will perform it and carry it on to completion until the coming of Jesus Christ I'm not what I need to be right now but dear God you're coming and you're going to make me everything I need to be and bring me all the way into glory God I trust you I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And I thank God for you. And Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory in Jesus' name.